0: It's another edition of the Stretch Big Podcast coming to you live here with three games remaining in the regular season for the Nebraska Basketball Cornhuskers. And Fred Hoiberg's crew has 20 wins on the year. And after tonight's results in the Big Ten, I'm sitting here recording this on Tuesday night, February 27th, uh, they are in control of their own destiny for a possible double buy in the Big Ten tournament in Minneapolis in a couple weeks. I'm going to take this pod, talk a little bit about the previous two games, uh, Nebraska's wins at Indiana and against Minnesota at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Give a little preview of tomorrow night, uh, at the time you're hearing this, hopefully tomorrow night's matchup with Ohio State, who has gotten the uh, new coach bump uh, in the three games of the Jake Diebler era in uh, Columbus following Chris Holtman's dismissal. I'm going to talk a little bit of some other results around the Big Ten recently. There was a weird scene tonight uh, in Bloomington at Assembly Hall as Indiana beats Wisconsin by four, but that was not what was weird about the game. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Past two nights, I've been at some Class A district finals. Um, I know we've got the Girls State Tournament starting up tomorrow at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Boys State Tournament next week should be fun. It's always a fun time of year for me, being the basketball dork I am. May talk a little about uh, just the good and the bad that I've seen the last two nights in uh, high school district finals and uh, maybe a little bit on court-storming discourse. Uh, It's not going to be a referendum on it by any stretch of the word, but Um, this late in the season, the calendar turns to March at the end of the week. And unfortunately the last, uh, couple days of college basketball discourse has been drowned in court storming discourse, uh, once again for I think the third, maybe fourth time, uh, this basketball season, uh, court storming has taken the forefront, uh, for no reason at all. So those are going to be what we touch, what we, meaning me, myself and I, um, touch on, on this pod um, and there's plenty to talk about there's plenty to like and and plenty uh, to discuss so we can go work in chronological order uh, last week I gave a little preview of Nebraska's uh, trip to Indiana uh, the Huskers were victorious 85 to 70 picking up their first road win uh, first conference road win I should say of the season uh, defeating Indiana by 15 uh, the Huskers led by as much as 22 uh, Indiana Got back to within three, um, many people watching, fans, media, uh, myself included, uh, the Bill Murray, well, it's Groundhog Day again, uh, GIF. I went with the Taylor Swift. I think I've seen this one before. Um, it felt all too familiar uh, for Nebraska, but uh, they were able to still uh, put their foot on the gas, pull away late, and when going away, when by 15 on the road at Assembly Hall, um, they had... Uh, four guys in double figures, uh, 20 points for Casey Tomonaga, who was on a heater, hit one of the more ridiculous shots I've seen, um, and I only saw it after the game because uh, the Penn State-Illinois game before uh, led into it, and Casey has a breakaway one-on-one, and he could just go to the rim, try to get fouled. He could pull up mid-range for a two, but no, he's one-on-one with his defender. He runs back to the three-point line, hits a fallaway three, to go in. Casey had 20. Bryce Williams had 18. He was the closer uh, down the stretch in this game. Uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, he had 19. He was the story of the game. Uh, 6 of 8 from the field, 5 of 5 from 3, 6 boards, 5 assists uh, coming off the bench. We are going to spend a, little, a lot of time probably talking about the Jamarcus Lawrence assance. We talked the C.J. Wilcher assance at the beginning of the year. Now it's time for the other, the Jersey boy. Um, it's been a Good little run for the Jersey Boys here. If they could have big games at the same time, <laughs> who knows what could happen for Nebraska. But 20 for Tominaga, 19 for Lawrence, 18 for Williams, 15 for Jawan Gary um, against the Hoosiers. And that game, you know, Nebraska got off to a torrid start. They made 14 threes. They finished 14 of 33 from three. Uh, they're taking and making good shots. Um, and then it just kind of, you know, Indiana... You know, the comeback was fueled by points in the paint. Um, the Hoosiers finished the game with 38 of their 70 points. You know coming in the paint, Ware, uh, McKenzie Mackenzie Mbaco, Malik Renault. You know Hoosiers only made four threes and uh, got the 70 points. And you know they they battled battled back, but just didn't have enough. You know they never trailed. Nebraska never trailed. Largest lead of 22, um, and they you know they did not wilt. They did not you know fall over. Uh, Fred Hoiberg said on his uh, monthly appearance on the Husker Radio Network that, you know, in the in the huddle, you know, in only up three, you know, he said if uh, before the game fell as if we, you know, you, we had a, you know, you told us we'd have a three-point lead, you know, at the under 12 timeout, you know, we'd, we'd take that. We'd take that as a win. And uh, they, you know, didn't fold. He, taught, he gave credit to uh, Jerron Boogie Coleman for, you uh, rallying the guys, you know, telling them they had it, they got this, and uh, willing, helping Will and them stay focused and uh, finish down the stretch uh, in Bloomington. So Nebraska finally gets the Big Ten road win uh, monkey off their back, the asterisk off their resume, uh, their second true road win of the year, uh, and, you know, that was win number 19. And, it, you know, at Assembly Hall, no matter how Indiana's season is going, that's a tough place to play. It's a tough place to win. It's a unique, um, unique building, sight lines, backdrop, everything that goes into it. The Hoosier Hysteria. Um, it's uh, a whole, the whole lot goes into playing there. And Nebraska finally did the damn thing. Got her done on the road uh, by 15. So fast forward to Sunday. You know, Pinnacle Bank Arena, 5:30. Uh, juiced up. Beautiful weather outside. Chamber of Commerce afternoon. Uh, drinks are flowing in the rail yard, um, and Nebraska is hosting Minnesota, the um, rematch of a game that for many people early in the season was the game that defined the season for Nebraska, um, blowing a 17-point lead in the second half at the barn uh, back in December, You know, a couple days after the disaster class um, against Creighton. But clearly you know, Nebraska is a different team. Than they were back in December. Minnesota is a different team too, and I, I will give a lot of credit to Ben Johnson and his coaching staff. You know, Minnesota was picked, you know, dead last in the league. You know, I figured that he was a sitting duck, and I did not expect him to, you know, still be the coach of the Gophers after this season. And you know, Minnesota's won 17 games, 17 and 10, you know, eight and eight in the league. Um, they will, they're, you know, they're in the middle. I think they're going to probably avoid playing on, on Wednesday night, you know, big 10 tournaments in Minneapolis. Uh, they go to Illinois next, but then they host Penn state, host Indiana, go to Northwestern, you know, Minnesota can win a couple more games, uh, have a home game in the NIT maybe, um, and avoid playing on Wednesday night, you know, in their hometown, you know, down the street, uh, at the target center when we get to the big 10 tournament in a couple weeks. But this game, you know, it, Minnesota gets off to a five nothing lead out of the gate. and you know that was you know, Nebraska took the lead back and never looked back. They uh, got led by as many as 23 uh, in the second half and they won the game, you know by 18, 73 to 55 at PBA on Sunday. And I, I think Nebraska controlled every single um, every single area of this game from start to finish. You know the first half, wasn't the prettiest, especially to start. You know, it was 28-20 at half. Uh, it took a little while for both teams to get going, you know, in any semblance of offense. But I think from the start, Nebraska, they were getting the looks they wanted. They were getting good shots. They were getting to the rim. You know, they missed a few bunnies. They had some good, you know, open looks on jump shots that, you know, hit back iron or, you know, rimmed out. You know, it was just, you know, some weird, some weird misses. But, you know, when they finally – You know, got it rolling. They were able to put the foot on the gas. And it wasn't just, you know, shot selection. Their defense was pretty good. Um, Minnesota did miss some good looks too, but I think Nebraska controlled that end of the court. Uh, Nebraska won the rebound battle 44 to 38. Nebraska was able to bring in 11 offensive rebounds, Um, you know, after, you know, emphasis was put on, on toughness by Fred Hoiberg and his staff going into this game. Um, we heard from Bryce Williams and Juwan Gary after the game, and uh, another big game for Juwan Gary. Twenty-two points, eight rebounds. He had four threes. Uh, Nebraska only had nine for the game. Four of those nine came from Gary. Who made a, hit some big ones. Uh, the only guys who made threes in this game were Gary, Bryce Williams, and Jamarcus Lawrence. Um, and Nebraska still found a way to score seventy-three points. Uh, they. You know, they I think they controlled every area, you know, from start to finish. They did what they needed to do. And uh, they avenge they avenge the loss to Minnesota early in the year, they protect home court, check the box to get to 20 wins. You know, Fred Hoiberg noted after the game that you know, for him for them to win a game going away, where Casey Tomanaga is 0 for 4, Rink Mass is 0 for 3, CJ Wilcher is 0 for 2, Sam Hoiberg is 0 for 2 from 3, those guys are 0 for, from three, and Nebraska still one. double digits that's a testament uh to the uh, the rest of the guys on the team for stepping up you know i sound like a broken record you know talking about this but you know that's this is the best form in nebraska they had four guys in double figures gary with 22 bryce williams was pretty damn good again 15 eight boards um and then marcus lawrence with 11 and rink mast you know he had to take 12 shots to get to 10 but still four guys in double figures you know that's the best form of this Nebraska team, multiple guys coming at you in multiple ways. Uh, that's the best recipe for this group going forward. I mean, they only shot 39% from the field, 32% from three, but um, you know they forced 13 turnovers, uh, got only eight points off of those 13 turnovers. But they, you know they controlled it. They controlled it from start to finish. I was never, you know, I was never thinking, "Oh, here comes the, here comes big bad Minnesota." And that was for the most part because, you know, the story in the second half of the first game back in December was, you know, crashing the boards, physicality, you know, playing inside. You know, in that game, I forget what the deficit was on the boards, but, you know, Minnesota, they were just getting second-chance points. They were doing all sorts of stuff. And in that first game, you know, Dawson Garcia gets hurt within the first five minutes, and um, and they – you know Minnesota had 13 offensive rebounds in that first game, uh, back in December, and that's you know that's uh, that you know was a was a big part in it. Uh, they had guys like you know uh, Joshua Ola Joseph who barely played you know in this game. Uh, he only played eight minutes in this one. He played big big minutes in the first game in December. He had 15 and five in the first game, just uh, you know two points in this one that's because Dawson Garcia was healthy. And even with Garcia back, you only know, he had, he had 10 and eight, but he was on two of six shooting. He felt, fou- fouled out, had three turnovers. Um, Pharrell Payne, who he also was a, <laughs> you know, he was a menace on the boards in the, the first matchup. You know, he, he had 12 points, four boards. Um, you know, they, uh, in that first game, you know, all the guys that, uh, all the guys that had big games the first time around uh, were non-factors. Ola Joseph barely played. Um, Braden Carrington had 13 in the game in December. This game, he had three points on one of three shooting. Uh, he played 18 minutes and uh, defended Casey Tomonaga pretty well again, but he was, he was a non-factor. Elijah Hawkins had nine points in this game. He had 12 in the game back in December. Pharrell Payne, who had 12 points, and four rebounds in the first game, had three points, and he was minus, he was in the minus 20s in his plus minus during his time on the court. And then Mike Mitchell, he had 12 points in the first game up at the barn, and he only had six in this game on two of 10 shooting. I mean, Minnesota, they missed a ton of jump shots. Uh, they, you know, I saw some Minnesota media saying that uh, they were playing incredibly soft. But at the same time, Cam Christie, who was their leading scorer on Sunday, he had 14. You know, he was talking, you know, with some Minnesota media outside of uh, their locker room on Sunday, and he said that that was the most physical opponent Minnesota had faced all season in the Big Ten, which was pretty eye-opening to me because uh, that's how that's how Minnesota won the first game. Yeah, you know, when he you know, he was talking to Marcus Fuller, does a great job covering Minnesota for the uh, Star Tribune. You know, he said Nebraska was one of the most physical teams they played all season. You know, Minnesota only shot 31%. But uh, Cam Christie and Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson was very, um, was very uh, complimentary of, uh, of Nebraska and Fred Hoiberg the atmosphere, everything. He was an assistant for one year at Nebraska under Tim Miles a long time ago. But he said that's what a possessed team looks like and feels like. Um, use the word desperate, but in a good way. Um, you know, Nebraska was, you know, they imposed their will, imposed their will on that one for a while. Um, but he, you know, credit to Ben Johnson. I mean, it's going to be between Ben Johnson and uh, Fred Hoiberg for Big Ten Coach of the Year, in my opinion. Uh, Nebraska was picked 12th, Minnesota was picked 14th. they you know, Nebraska is in contention for double by top four, Minnesota will be, you know, in the middle of the pack, uh, playing on Thursday in the big 10 tournament, but Nebraska prevails. Um, the, of course the stat of the game from, uh, stat extraordinaires, um, Keith Mann and Seamus McKnight in the Nebraska sports info department. Um, First time that Nebraska has won four straight conference games by 15 or more since winning four straight Missouri Valley Conference games by at least 15 points in the year 1911. (laughs) The 1911-1912 season, um, quite a while ago. uh, That was when, as Seamus joked uh, when reading that stat off in the uh, press room, called that Tom Schettel's first year on the uh, Nebraska beat. But that was many, many moons ago in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, I've got the 1911-1912 schedule in front of me. Um, I don't think that uh, that would be good podcasting to uh, read it, but I'm going to do it anyway. The 1911-1912 Huskers uh, beat teams like Morningside, beat Morningside by 52, uh, won back-to-back against Iowa State uh, by... Beat him 33 to 12 and 40 to 14. Beat Drake by 18 and then beat him. <laughs> played a lot of back to backs, uh, day after back to backs uh, in 1911, uh, 1912. But uh, that streak of wins was against the likes of Morningside, Iowa State, uh, and Drake. That was where that streak came in 1911, uh, 1912. Um, so, Nebraska, 20 wins on the season. Uh, four game winning streak, all by double digits, and they've dominated teams. They've suffocated them, um, and you know you can say what you want about the level of competition. I mean, the wins are against Michigan, Penn State, Indiana, Minnesota, but I mean, I, it's still still pretty impressive. You know, it appears that they are nearing their their best form uh, during the time of the college basketball season, where every team wants to be in their best form, and with three games to go. Um, three uh, cue the Purdue Nebraska football clip. Winnable games, um, three winnable games uh, coming down the pipe here. Um, you know who knows what? I mean, I mean, I think Thursday night at at Ohio State. I mean, I think that's the swing game. I think if they they being Nebraska can go on the road and get a quad one road win in Columbus, I think they can they can finish three and zero, get to twenty three wins in the regular season, and then we do not have to have any more discourse about bubble or people worried about playing in Dayton, uh, anything like that. But obviously you have to go on the road on Thursday to Ohio State, who has uh, two pretty impressive wins in their uh, three games under Jake Diebler. Uh, Talked about it last week, beating Purdue by four in Columbus. Went on the road, lost by nine to Minnesota at the barn. Um, I did not do a second pod last week. But um, they went on the road to Minnesota and lost. But then on Sunday, while we're getting ready for uh, the game in Lincoln, uh, they win a wild one at the Breslin Center. They were down 10 at halftime. They outscore Sparty by 13 in the second half, and then Dale Bonner hits a wild buzzer-beater three uh, for Ohio State's first win at the Breslin since 2011. Uh, and it was also Ohio State's first Big Ten road win since January of 2023. They had not won a conference road game in more than a calendar year. And for them to go on the road, do that at Michigan State, which is always a tough place to play, Michigan State, uh, trending upwards. You know, I've alluded to it multiple times on the pod. Tom Izzo has said that you know his team's going to make a run at some point, and they had been – making it, but there's still a lot of questions about that Michigan State team. You know, when I dissect the league at the end of the year, you know, Michigan State is going to be up there in terms of uh, you know, disappointments. They had some pretty high expectations uh, coming into the season. You know, they probably are going to still make the NCAA tournament because the the metrics love them for whatever reason. I don't know if Izzo's using some dark voodoo magic on the on the computers, but you know, they are still a darling. Uh, in the metrics when you look at them. Uh, so they'll probably... Let's see, how does Michigan State finish the season? Yeah, they lost to Ohio State on Sunday. They have three more games at Purdue, at Mackey, on Saturday night. That'll be uh, interesting. Uh, they host Northwestern, um, and then they go to Assembly Hall on uh, they on Sun- the last Sunday of the year for a CBS game at Assembly Hall. So that'll be an interesting finishing stretch for Sparty. They need to need to win some games, solidify themselves as a tournament team. But well, this is not a big go green, go white overreaction. But, you know, we can talk a little bit about Ohio State. Obviously, you know, these last three games, you know, Chris Holtman gets fired. Um, I said last week that they looked like a completely different team against Ohio, against Purdue, despite what uh, Matt Painter tried to say, that they ran the same stuff, they had the same personnel, would have been the same result if if Chris Holtman was there, but... I mean, it's they, you know. I think they're they're playing a lot more connected. They're playing more, you know, true to the talent that they have on the on the team. You know, they. I don't think they should be near the bottom of the Big Ten with some of the talent that they have on this roster. Bruce Thornton, you know, he he's been their best player all year. You know, he's kind of been on a tear these last three. Had twenty two against Purdue. Had twenty five against Minnesota, and then uh, against Sparty on Sunday. It was actually, you know, not great, but you know, they only had a couple guys hit double figures. Their leading score, you know, came off the bench in that one on Sunday. But, um, they've been, they've been, uh, you know, they're different, they're different watching them. I don't know what it is, I'm not a body language expert, I'm not a basketball coach, I just wanted to be one at some point. But, you know, they, they look different to me, you know, playing more like the sum of their parts. Uh, I don't think think, you know, Diebler is going to be in the running for the job. I You know, he, he was a finalist for Valparaiso last year, um, per what I've been told. You know, he comes from a coaching family. His dad was a longtime high school coach in the state of Ohio. Uh, his brother, John, uh, is an assistant coach with Thad Mata at Butler, and you know, that's a, they're a coaching family. Jake Diebler will have opportunities this year. I don't think he'll be in the running for the Ohio State job, but um, you know, uh, the big the story right now, you know, looking at them aside from the the interim coach bump, Jameson Battle missed the game on Sunday at Michigan State with an ankle injury. Um, they, uh, you know, it's not expected to be long term. You know, per Diebler, uh, they were without without him on Sunday. You know, Battle is the top three point shooter in the Big Ten. Um, was listed as questionable for the game. Didn't play. Uh, Debor said if the game had been a day or two later probably would have been different so you know so based on that trend I'm you know expecting him to likely play against Nebraska but it'll be you know his first game back after you know sitting out with an injury you know looking at their personnel you know battle battles their second leading score uh, 14 14 and 5 46 uh, percent from the field 44 percent from three that's what makes him the top three-point shooter in the league but um, he did not have a great showing in his uh, return to the barn. Um, he transferred to Ohio State from Minnesota after last year, last year if you forgot. But uh, Thornton's their leading scorer at 16, uh, three boards, four assists, 42% from the field, only 31% from three. Um, he'll take him, but I don't know if he'll make him. That applies for Roddy Gale too, Roddy Gale Jr. He's only shooting 27% from the field, 44%. No, 27% from three, 44% from the field. He's averaging 13 Zed Key, uh, big man, been there for a while, averaging seven. Um, Felix Agpara, uh, he's I, I forgot about you know previewing the first matchup with Ohio State early in the year. He was the one who was not uh, quick enough to keep up with Rink Mast on the perimeter in that first matchup. But then Evan Mahaffey, uh, five points a game. Dale Bonner, four points a game. Uh, Scotty Middleton, three. Uh, Devin Royal who was their leading scorer uh, freshman from Ohio he was their leading scorer at the Breslin on Sunday those guys all kind of you know the it starts with battle Thornton and, and Roddy Gale and you know any, anything from anyone else you know is a added bonus um, obviously the first time Nebraska and Ohio State matched up uh, back uh, late January Nebraska won going away 83 to 69. And that was the rink masked, you know, career game. Uh Rink had 34 that night, was hitting step back threes, had 34 and 10. Uh Bryce Williams had 14. CJ Wiltshire had 16 off the bench. Um, I'm interested to see what the you know attempted correction is. Like, are they gonna overplay uh overcover Rink? Are they gonna try to double him? I don't know what the overcorrection will be uh from from Jake Diebler, you know, any any Anytime you're playing a team a second time and a guy went off like that in the first game, you know, I, I, you know, know this from my time as a high school manager, you know, some high, being in high school video sessions, um, being a college manager, seeing scout teams, seeing coaches install game plans. There's, there's, there's bound to be an overcorrection um, after a guy, uh, went off like rink mass did in that first game. Um, you know, Bryce Williams and Sam Hoiberg were not, um, afraid to step up and guard Bruce Thornton either, uh, in that first game, uh, shout out to Sam, uh, and Josiah Alec, talked with them a little bit tonight at the, uh, Central, uh, Omaha Central Lincoln Pius game down in Lincoln, uh, good to talk to those boys, those guys, uh, Always good to talk to Sam. Super smart, super smart kid. Coach's kid. He knows a thing or two. And I had never really talked to Josiah, even though I've been in uh, <laughs> press conferences with him all year. But we uh, chatted a little bit, especially after uh, the Indiana Wisconsin game went final. Um, but I, you know, Sam Oyberg, you know, I, he'll play a key role in this game again. He, his defense in the first game against Ohio State on both Thornton and Gale was was key. Um, I saw the other day, Raphael Davis, big 10 network, you know, asked who, who, uh, would fill his last spot on the big 10 all defense team. I'm here to nominate Sam Hoiberg. Um, his defense has been crucial for Nebraska against some pretty good guards on plenty of teams. Um, I know first time they, these two teams matched up, Bryce Williams started on him, but, uh, uh, Sam played some crucial defense, uh, in the, in that game as well. Um, Another thing from that first game was that when Thornton and Gale were really getting after it was when Kesei Tomonaga was on the court. They were definitely hunting him uh, on the defensive end. That led to Kesei not playing too much. Uh, people kind of questioning, wondering, what was wrong with Kesei? Why wasn't he playing? <laughs> I'm interested to see if they you know, go back at him again. I'm sure they'll be hunting him on defense as long as he's on the court, um, especially since he's been on a good little hot streak uh, on offense. I'm interested to see... You know, if Nebraska adjusts, you know the matchups defensively to not hide him. I mean, you can't hide, you can't hide him on defense, but try to at least give him some help uh, with Thornton and, and Gale because they're big-bodied guards. You know, Bruce Thornton's built like a running back. <laughs> There's no really other way to describe him. But you know, I think this is the swing game for Nebraska left on the schedule. I think if they can go on the road, get a quad one. Interested to see what the atmosphere is like at uh, the Schottenstein Center. I'm sure it'll have a little extra juice. Uh, not well. There's not usually that much juice, but there'll be more juice than usual coming off the Michigan State win, uh, the interim coach bump, uh, everything going on in Columbus. But yeah, that's a really big cavernous arena, uh, so we'll see what that atmosphere is like. Also, a 5:30 tip on uh, Thursday, 5:30 uh, FS1, Nebraska at Ohio State. Um, I think I think Nebraska can do it. Um, yeah, you know, I think they. You know, it, like I said winnable game, Um, but it's, you know, going to come down to how they defend the guards, uh, especially Thornton uh, and Battle. Um, You know, they, we've seen Nebraska's defense, you know, allow some three-point attempts. Jameson Battle's been, been on one from three. I'm interested to see how they match up with him, uh, defend him on the three-point line, and, uh, you know, Sam, can Sam Hoiberg and Bryce Williams uh, repeat the performance that we saw back in January when defending Thornton uh, and Roddy Gale? So, that's a look, you know. Looking back at the last three, last two games against Indiana, Minnesota, little Ohio State preview. Uh, we can take a little. We can take a look around the Big Ten. Uh, some recent results, uh, uh, most notably tonight. Um, like I said, recording this on Tuesday night, Indiana knocks off Wisconsin, 74 to 70, at Assembly Hall. Um, that win probably means a lot just for the psyche of Indiana basketball fans. Of that coaching staff, of which I know know pretty well, a much much needed win. But the weirdest part of this game: so with just over ten minutes to go in the game, Wisconsin, you know, the Wisconsin was down five at half. They came back, tied it up at fifty-four. A little over ten minutes to go, and then alarms start going off at Assembly Hall, and there's an announcement playing over the speaker. Telling people to evacuate, get to the concourse. Um, they wound up clearing the building, and following along on Indiana Twitter with some people like Jeff Rabjohns, um, Zach Osterman, some guys who do great, great work uh, covering the Hoosiers. At first, people didn't know what was going on. <laughs> there were people were worried, like, why are we being told to clear the building? People saying they had not seen anything like it. Um, really, really weird scene. And it was right when Wisconsin had gotten back into the game as well. But Indiana finishes it off, gets the four-point win. Uh, With that Wisconsin loss, moves Nebraska into fourth place in the Big Ten standings thanks to the tiebreakers. Um, Looking at the finishers, the finishing stretches uh, for uh, the other teams in the running for the four spot. Uh, Shout-out to Brian Christofferson, Husker 24-7, for throwing this up. On Twitter earlier, you know, Northwestern's in third right now at 10 and six. Uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin tied at 10 and seven. Uh, Northwestern finishes at Maryland. They host Iowa. They go to the Breslin and then they host Minnesota. Uh, Nebraska at Ohio State, uh, hosting Rutgers and then at Michigan. Wisconsin hosts Illinois. hosts Rutgers goes to Mackey. Um, I like Nebraska's chances to get the four, and even you know, Northwestern without Ty Berry, um, I don't really, you know, they're still a good team, still got boo but you but know, they could drop a one, maybe two. Uh, I like Nebraska's chances. They could maybe jump up to the three seed, do I dare say it? Um, but things appear to be breaking their way, and, you know, the, the, uh, you know, like I said, swing game, Thursday night, um, with Rutgers and Michigan on the other side of the Ohio State game, so w- that was the most notable result, um, tonight uh, Iowa beats Penn State by nine Hawkeyes now up to 17 wins Peyton Sanford notches the first triple double in Iowa basketball history and he does so only making three field goals Uh, he was three of 11 from the field but he shot 19 free throws 19 free throws so had uh, 26 10 and 10 for uh, Peyton Sanford uh, tonight so some other notables around the league, uh, like like I said, you know the Ohio State Michigan State game uh, from Sunday. Uh, Purdue they kind of had a had a scare with um, Michigan in Ann Arbor on Sunday, but there were probably more Purdue fans there than Michigan fans. Just one Howard and Michigan players talking about how it sounded like Mackey Arena out there. Um, that was not a great scene uh, if you're. You're a Michigan fan. You're Michigan basketball. Um, that was that was tough, and a tough season just keeps on getting tougher. You know, Purdue wins by wins by eight. Michigan is eight and twenty. Michigan basketball is eight and twenty. Um, they were in they were in a national championship game uh, six years ago. Six years ago, and that reminds me can talk about um, you know a quote from John Beeline, who was the coach six years ago when. Michigan made a national championship game in 2018. Um, Michigan, by the way, finishes at Rutgers uh, at Ohio State and hosting Nebraska. So I do not expect Michigan to get to double double-digit wins. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, If if Jawan Howard is back next year, I don't even, like, I don't even know where to begin, like, if you're Michigan. I don't know where, like... Is there going to be a mutual, like, mutual agreement, separate? I I don't know what, like, don't know how you can let that continue. I just don't, just really, really don't. But on the subject of Michigan, former Michigan head coach John Beeline, now a studio analyst for BTN, was singing Nebraska's praises on Sunday night after their win over Minnesota. So Nebraska's going to become, in basketball, a much different place for recruiting in the future. Um, he, I think he really likes Fred. I think he really likes Nebraska. But this was the quote that stood out to me. They remind me a little bit of our 2018 team that went all the way to the championship game. Um, now, I read that quote out loud to uh, the media room while we were waiting for... Uh, Fred Hoiberg to take the podium, and uh, was a universal. What the hell is he talking about? From uh, the my fellow uh, media media room uh, inhabitants after the game on Sunday, um, and that's and this is no slight against this Nebraska team. None at all. This Nebraska team, um, you know, talked about it on my. Uh, spot with Connor Happer on the Happer Show today. Probably going to have him, maybe one other person on, try to discuss where this team ranks among Nebraska teams this century. It's definitely top three. I mean, no questions asked about it, but I mean, this 2017-18 Michigan team, I saw it up close uh, twice. One was a lot more fun than the other one. Um, The game at PBA where Nebraska won by 20 that December was a lot more fun than the, uh, ass whooping that they handed to uh, uh, handed to us, I'll say us, because I was a part of the team at the time uh, at MSG when the Michigan fans in attendance chanted NIT at us as the uh, clock ran down. Michigan that year, they were 13-5 and in the Big Ten. They wound up 33-8 on the season, got to the national championship game, and ran into a buzzsaw in uh, Villanova. But they go on a run, they win the Big Ten tournament at MSG as uh, – as the five seed, actually, yes, they were the five seed uh, in the Big Ten. Nebraska got the four on the tiebreaker uh, from the uh, from the ass whooping that was handed to Michigan in the game where Nebraska student section called Mo Wagner Wagner. Um, that was a fun, 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 fun night. But so Michigan was thirteen and five in the uh, regular season in the Big Ten. They go on a run. They win the. Big Ten title and MSG, they get to the Final Four, um, and yeah, Villanova was really good that year. Villanova was really good, but I mean, this Michigan team that year had dudes like they had dudes, uh, multiple NBA guys, um, you know, Mo Wagner, uh, Isaiah Livers, uh, Charles Matthews was pretty good. He I don't know where he's at now, but Jordan Poole was a freshman on that team. Xavier Simpson was a sophomore. Uh, Isaiah Livers is an NBA guy. Uh, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman just hit threes. I mean, he smoked us in that game at MSG. And Duncan Robinson, he's an NBA guy. He's been doing NBA finals. He was really, really good, and he also smoked us in that uh Big Ten Tournament game at MSG that they won by 20 points. But uh, that team was damn good. And now I'm looking at this box score from the game at Madison Square Garden. That's extra sad. Yeah, Muhammad Ali abdurrahman had 21. Mo Wagner at 20. Duncan Robinson at 16. Um, that's what happens when I mean they we're past the statute of limitations. Secret time. Circle of trust here on the pod. Um, the scout for that game didn't change. From the game back in December. And uh, Mo Wagner had a career bad game. Duncan Robinson was in a shooting slump. And uh, yeah, the scout didn't change. And that's, you know, Mo Wagner went off. Duncan Robinson went off. And uh, the rest is history. But as we now have hindsight to look back on it, uh, even if Nebraska had won that game, they're probably still in the NIT. but uh, All right, that's my sad look back at the 2017 18 Big Ten tournament. But, um, you know, John Beeline, you know, obviously BTN isn't going to dump on or dunk on, you know, teams that are playing well. Don't know how I feel about that comp. Um, High praise. Um, I don't know if this Nebraska team has another level like that Michigan team did. I mean, they turned it on. I mean, that was kind of the running theme with the last couple years under Beeline. Like, no matter how they looked at the end of the year, they were going to turn it on in March, and they were going to make a run somehow. If that Nebraska team has that in them, I, mean, I don't think they're going to go to the Final Four. <laughs> I don't think they have it in them to go to the Final Four. But you know, we talked about it a couple uh, radio hits I did this week. I mean, they can win multiple games in Minneapolis. They can win multiple games in March too. You know, the NCAA tournament is so dependent on your draw and your matchup. Um, the only you know, thing not to like right now is you know they've they've kind of played themselves into the eight nine game, which means if you win, you get a one seed. Um, I don't think. Any of the projected one seeds are good matchups for Nebraska. They're, they would not be in the same pod as Purdue. Uh, I don't believe, I think the committee would try to avoid that. I think Nebraska would either be in a pod with Houston, UConn, or Arizona, uh, which I don't like any of those matchups <laughs> looking at it on paper uh, for Nebraska. If Nebraska can win enough games to play themselves up to a seven seed, uh, you know, enough things fall their way that they could somehow sneak up to a seven. I don't know how that would happen, but I think that would be much more beneficial uh, for Nebraska matchup wise. But you're talking to Sam Hoiberg, Josiah Alec tonight. Uh, they're not worried about projected locations, projected matchups. Uh, as long as they're in, as long as they're dancing, they uh, they think they've got a chance. They've had, they've had a quiet confidence about them all year. Uh, they know what is in front of them. They know what they're up against. And Three games to go, and uh, it's been really, really fun following along with this team. Been really, really fun, uh, you know, covering it. So I can finish with this, and I hate that I'm finishing with it, but it needs to be addressed. You know, full transparency. Uh, I was a stereotype of basketball fandom in the Omaha metro. Uh, you know, Nebraska Creighton. You know, it's you know when I was a kid. Yeah, I was a Husker fan. Yeah, I'd watch the Creighton games that were on KMTV with Travis Justice calling them in standard definition, but I wanted to root for a team that was really good. And I, for whatever reason, gravitated toward Duke. I gravitated toward Duke. Um, I still you know, watch Duke games. For whatever reason, I, I loved K. I was a J.J. Redick guy. Was not a Grayson Allen apologist, but some of some of the Duke teams that I grew up watching definitely shaped you know my love for college basketball. And these last couple days, the Duke, the Duke machine. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, and the two main people, you know, national talking heads at the forefront of uh, the court storming needs to be banned talk. Happen to be Duke alums Seth Davis and uh, Jay Billis. I cannot disagree more with this. I really couldn't. I'm kind of ashamed as like a college basketball guy. You know, people call me a basketball sicko or whatever, but it kind of irritates me that you know we're still talking about court storming and you know it, it's clear that not all arenas are created equal in preparedness. You know, Trev Alberts was quoted in ESPN story this week saying. You know when Nebraska beat Purdue, there wasn't really a plan uh, for PBA. But by the time you know the Nebraska men beat Wisconsin, the Nebraska women beat Iowa, there was a plan in place. You know we saw in the you know the Creighton game in Omaha, Creighton upsets UConn, and you know the security at the CHIL center basically wall off the UConn bench. Uh, it helps that UConn's bench is right by their tunnel to get back to the visitor's locker room. But you know they did it perfectly. Um, and then on Sun on. Uh, Sunday, Saturday, it was over the weekend. You know, Wake Forest beats Duke. Um, Wake Forest in need of a signature win. Uh, they're on the bubble. They're hunting for a. Uh, they're you know they're hunting. Steve Forbes, Hunter Salas has a career day. Drops twenty nine points on Duke. Wake gets a big. You know, it's not the perennial rivalry game, but it's a, it's a triangle game. You know, out in North Carolina, that means you know beating Duke. I think I heard a stat this week that. Um. 50 56 out of 80, forget the exact number, but it's a very high percentage of times that Duke has lost on the road as a ranked team, the court has been been stormed in the last decade, I want to say. I forget the exact stat, but it was it was a you know, daunting statistic. And you know, Duke is coming into your building. You'd think to at least somewhat be prepared for, you know, beating Duke and the reaction that comes with beating Duke. Couple of that with Wake being in such need of a big win. And, you know, the staff at the Lawrence Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem clearly was not prepared. But also, I don't know why Kyle Filipowski was still so far away from his bench. The game was decided, like, and that whole scene with the Duke managers, you know, yelling at, Wake kids and them carrying them off the court and being sort of dramatic. John Shire, who I like. I like as a coach. I like as a dude. But going on his soapbox after the game, I mean, just, you know, the, the, the anti court storm discourse would have you believe that it has caused such great harm and great damage to so many people. But, I mean, it's one of the things that makes college basketball great. It's one of the things, the visual of it, the seeing it up close in person, it, it's one of the things that makes people love college basketball. I've, I've seen two, three of them in person this year. I've uh, seen, you know, seen some on, t- met plenty on TV in my time as a fan. Um, I think one of the more pure things I've seen was last night, you know, Mississippi Valley State, who was winless. You know, they... Get their first win of the year in the in the swack and there there are people storming the court for their one in twenty six team in small town middle of nowhere Mississippi. I mean that's the kind of stuff that makes me love college basketball. That's what it's all about. Um, the call of you know the student announcers you know losing their minds you know saying shout out to every person they could possibly shout out. I mean it, it, that's what college basketball is all about. Uh, court storming is a part is storming the court it's a part of the pageantry of college basketball you hear a lot of people talk about how much people love the pageantry and the tradition in in college football you know college basketball the storm of the court that's a part of the pageantry the atmosphere you know the you know the upset the you know the the art of the upset that you know draws so many people in to the NCAA tournament gets so many headlines during the regular season, yeah, that's, it's a part of it. And I'm not, you know, I don't think anytime there's an upset in a court storm, we need to have a referendum on it, but I've talked enough about it. Um, I don't, uh, I really, really hope that in these last couple of weeks, we, we don't have to talk about it again and it can go back into the pile of, of things to talk about as we inch closer to the time. Everyone is going to have their eyes on college basketball, the NCAA tournament. Uh, so, so that's going to wrap up the pod. Um, touched on a little bit of everything. Oh, high school basketball—we're not done yet. Last two nights, I've been in two pretty, t- <laughs> pretty high tension gyms. Uh, it's been kind of ugly. Um, last night, I was at Lincoln Southeast Creighton Prep. Uh, Lincoln Southeast wins in overtime uh, to get back to state for the second year in a row. Uh, tonight, I was at Omaha Central Lincoln Pius. Uh, Let me tell you, there's no love lost between (laughs) Omaha and Lincoln. Let me tell you that. Uh, Lincoln Southeast hits a buzzer beater in overtime. They dogpile in front of Prep's bench. They then get the district championship trophy and go talk more trash to what's left of the Creighton Prep student section. There are parents yelling across the gym at, at Prep parents and I would just like, what what the hell is going on here? And then tonight I'm at you know Central Pius, packed house at Flavin Gym at, at Pius. Still the hottest gym in the state. Felt like I was in a sauna, but you know, Central wins pretty convincingly, you know, force close to 20 turnovers. The buzzer sounds, Central's entire team runs over to a packed prep student section. Not prep, Pius. Pious student section and just starts waving at them. <laughs> there had been some, some jawing from some central players during the game, but their entire team runs over to Pious' student section, waves goodbye to them, and, and then Pious kids start throwing trash back at them. I mean, it I it was a little ugly. It was a little ugly, and I know it's high tension, you know, postseason play, but I I hadn't seen much like the last two uh, nights I've you know been to games. But state tournament week next week. Um, if you've listened to the pod, you know I am an Omaha Central grad, Omaha Central, Omaha North, first-round state tournament game. Hello. Um, keep your hands to yourselves, <laughs> Central North kids. But, uh, yeah, so that's high school basketball corner. Uh, should be a fun state tournament. Uh, multiple classes next week should be really good, A, B, C1. Should all be really, really fun. So get to PBA or to Vanny or wherever for state next week. We'll touch on it next week too. But that'll wrap up the pod. Um, talked about two games that happened, previewed one game, looked around the Big Ten, gave my thoughts on court storming, checked plenty, plenty of boxes, and that's what I meant to do after I didn't do a second pod last week, and this one's coming at you a day late. Um, I say this all the time, but I appreciate everyone who's been following along with the pod, following along with social media, um feel so inclined. You check out Huskersillustrated.com. I'm really happy with the last magazine story that I wrote. Um, Talked to Ken Pavelka and Bruce Chubbick Jr. um, about the reunion weekend from back in January with uh, Danny Nee coming back. Um, Talked about about that for the magazine. We'll have more stuff in the next issue of the magazine, trying to make the next magazine story really special. Um, And there will be some Big Ten tournament end-of-the-season coverage on HuskersIllustrated.com. So if you go there and if you buy a magazine or feel so inclined to subscribe, uh, you're supporting great local journalism, uh, locally owned local journalism, uh, some very talented people, and then some jabroni with glasses uh, talking basketball over at HuskersIllustrated.com. But everyone who has supported anywhere, whether it's the pod, the magazine, social media, uh, you're appreciated. I'm forever indebted. Um, and there's more, more fun stuff coming. Uh, it's going to be a fun next couple weeks uh, for basketball people around here. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, maybe a friend told you, uh, you can follow the show on, uh, on Twitter at StretchBigPod. Feel free to email the show, StretchBigPodcast at gmail.com. Questions, concerns, um, anything. Anything's on your mind about Husker basketball, Big Ten basketball, local basketball, uh, anything you want to share. My line is always open. And I'm an open book. So feel free to reach out. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob A. Bigelow. If you haven't yet, leave a review of the pod. Uh, Leave a rating on Spotify, Apple. Um, It's much appreciated. Helps me out a ton. Uh, Trying to grow the show before the end of the year. Going to decide if we want to do some off-season stuff. once the off-season. Uh, comes and you know, we can decompress a little bit, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But as always, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to tell someone you love them these next couple days. Um, and, uh, be back after the Ohio State game, previewing uh, senior day uh, against Rutgers um, four in a row, three games to go. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk again soon.